All right. It is so great to be with you this morning. Wasn't that awesome seeing the Hearts of Great Grace dancers? Just really proud of them. And I uh, want to welcome everybody this morning. And if you're watching online, I want to welcome you as well. We're in the book of James right now, and we're continuing a series called Faith in Action. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, you might want to open it up to James chapter 3. That's where we'll be today. Last week, we discussed the power of our words, and we talked about uh, how to tame the tongue. And James said, we all stumble in many ways. So I don't know if you tried to watch your words this week. You're like, oh man, I messed up again. So true. Uh, it is not easy to tame the tongue. Sometimes we say things and uh, then we think about it afterwards. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. It could be something as simple as an embarrassing typo. Have you ever done one of those before? I sure have. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I found some stories to share with you. One church secretary named Beth had the important job of writing the, the church bulletins, uh, which were handed out to people. Uh, the church family, church on Sunday, and uh, one year the church was having a big uh, Christmas celebration, and they were going to have a special visit from Santa. And she said, my embarrassment came during a Christmas service when a large group of attendees read the notice which said, after the service, the children will receive a surprise visit from Satan. <laughs> that would be a surprise visit. Hey kids, it's Satan. I mean Santa. I mean Santa. Sorry. Santa. God, can you see how I might mix that up? Yeah, but no. Okay. Um, the guy came across another blooper. This one was from an actual church bulletin. This one said, Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I don't think those were meant to go together. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I once sent an email to all the parents in the church. And I was inviting everybody to come out and serve. I said that there would be day shifts and afternoon shifts available. And then I got one reply back from a parent who said, please check spelling. And he highlighted the word shifts, only it was missing the F. So embarrassed and horrified. I was like, I can't believe I did that. I actually sent out an email to every parent in the church with a cuss word in it. Uh, I also learned how few people actually read their emails or pay that close of attention. Praise God. But hey, if you actually read your emails, never know what you're going to find. Uh, that, was, that was quite embarrassing. But I, I think he's the only one who caught it. But if you just think about, you know, those kinds of mistakes with our words or with our tongue could really be easily avoided if we would simply, as the parent said, just stop and check. And the same is true with our words. And think about some of the problems we create with our words that could be easily avoided if we would simply pause, take a second, check, and ask ourselves that question, is this wise? I'm getting really upset. I'm about to react to my spouse or my kids. Wait. God, help me to respond with wisdom. It's a difficult situation at work. I've got I've to say something tough to one of my team members. Or maybe uh, you're, you're working with students and you've got to say something hard. God, would you please help me 
to speak with wisdom into this situation. Or maybe you just see something really exciting online and you're like, I'm going to forward this to everyone in my contact list. I'm posting it on all social media. Whoa, hold on. Take one quick look, quick look at what you're going to forward to the world and just ask that question. Is it wise? I want to talk to you today about W-I-S-D-O-M, wisdom. I love it. And uh, we're talking about wisdom, but I want you to realize that uh, here in the book of James, James hasn't moved on from the tongue. He hasn't stopped talking about our words. Um, in James 3, 1 through 12, which is what we looked at last week, James explained that no human being can tame the tongue. It's not going to be as easy as we think. But we discovered that God can help. We can invite Christ into our heart and into our lives. And he begins to change us from the inside out. And how does God help? Well, God wants to give us wisdom for the words that we speak. Now, according to James, there are two ways that God gives us wisdom. Can you guys think of the first one? James chapter 1. James says, if you need wisdom, just... Yeah, good. You guys pay attention. Thank you. Uh, just ask. We can ask God for it. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. Here's a prayer that God always answers. He's a generous God. If you ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. That's the first way we can find wisdom in life. We can ask God for it. God, help, help me in this situation. Will you give me wisdom for the words that I'm going to speak? Now here in James chapter 3, he gives us a cool test. That can help us figure out what kind of wisdom we have. And there are two types of wisdom here in James chapter 3. There's the wisdom of the world around us. And there's wisdom that comes from God. Uh, so before we do anything, before we say anything, we want to stop and check. And think about where our wisdom is coming from. Is this earthly wisdom? Or is this wisdom from above? Wisdom from God? And if we will take this one little test, it'll help us to make better choices with the words that we speak. So before we finish today, you're going to have a quick checklist that you're going to be able to take into a situation. And you're going to be able to say, okay, is this wise? And I've got seven questions for you. And you're going to be able to know how to respond with wisdom from the word of God, which is awesome. So here's what James has to say in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. He says, who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote unquote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every, every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's the word of the Lord. We take a moment and pray before we jump in. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you for each person that you've brought here. God, thank you for your word. And this uh, powerful scripture, God, that can truly change 
our lives. It can change how we respond when we feel angry or hurt or upset or just are in a, an emotional situation. So God, pray for the challenges we face, and we ask God that you will provide that wisdom that you said you would give us. Um, so help us, Lord, today as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're looking at James chapter 3 here. Uh, we just kind of walk through verse by verse. James asked the question, who among you is wise? And his first point is that um, actions are the true measure of our wisdom. Actions are the true measure of our wisdom. In, in other words, for James, wisdom isn't just a bunch of facts in our head, but wisdom is the ability to apply truth to our life. Wisdom is skill in righteousness. He says in, J in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So James says, are you wise? Then show it in your life. Show it in your deeds. Now, if you've been with us in this series, you're not surprised that James would make action the true measure of our wisdom, right? Because this whole letter of James is all about action, action, action. And he's challenging uh, Christians and believers to actually put their faith in action. Christianity is more than just talk. You've got to live it out. So consider these verses from previously in James. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. He says, let's put our faith into action. Here's another one from James chapter 2. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And you guys remember James said, hey, even the demons believe, right? So what good is it if you only believe? He says, Faith, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Show me your faith without your deeds. I'll show you my faith by my deeds. In other words, real faith, genuine faith, really works. And in the same way, when we come to verse 13 in chapter 3, James says, how do you know if you're wise? And he answers that by saying, let them show it by their good life. Wisdom shows itself in works not just in words. So if you're truly wise, James says, then we should be able to see it in how you live. We should see your wisdom in what you do. But notice that wisdom also has a special quality. Did you see that? He mentions these deeds done in humility. A wise person is always acting from a place of humility. And those of you who are familiar with your Bibles know why that is true. It says in Proverbs 9.10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We live in a time where a lot of people aspire to be influencers, they want to be experts to show off their knowledge and post it for all the world to see. And the Bible says, if you want to be truly wise, if you really want to know what life is all about, then there's only one place to find that, and it's from a place of humility before the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom, and that just means that true wisdom begins with a seriousness about the greatness of God. God is real, and God is good. And the meaning of our lives is to love God, to serve God, to know Him, to live in a relationship with Him, and that is truly the beginning of all 
wisdom, and all knowledge. So I want to suggest today that if you begin to understand what James has to say about wisdom, that your life will never be the same. And maybe if up to this point in your life you haven't been living at wisdom, you can change that today. You can get on the path of wisdom. Maybe you're a teenager here today or a student and you're going to choose a life of wisdom and it's going to save you from a lot of pain later on. Or maybe you're a grown-up and if you grab onto that wisdom today, you can live the rest of your life wisely. And it all begins from this posture of humility. I want to know the Lord. I want to see the greatness. That's the fear of the Lord. It's the awe of God. Wow, man, I'm seeing the majesty of God. And so I'm going to align my life with the wisdom from the Lord. So as James says here, this is his first point. Actions are going to be the measure of our wisdom. Who's truly wise? Well, we're going to see it in our lives. Now James goes to describe those, uh, goes on to describe those two kinds of wisdom. There's a huge difference between the two. And he's in effect presenting with two choices in any situation. I'm in this situation, I'm facing a relationship challenge. Okay, here's two, two ways of approaching that. And they couldn't be more different. Option number one is that we could act with earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom. James describes earthly wisdom in verse 14. If you want to look at that, it says, But if you harbor bitty, <laughs> bitty, that was good. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And notice such quote unquote wisdom. This is, this is wisdom in quotes. Such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven. Guys, see the two characteristics of earthly wisdom? You guys see that? What are they? They are bitter envy and selfish ambition, right? Bitter envy and selfish ambition. Think about envy. What's envy? Envy is that like ugly feeling in our heart of discontent and even resentment towards another person when uh, you begin to wish that you had what they have. And I'll never forget a time I was hanging out with a group of pastors and there was one pastor, he was just telling how blessed he was and how his church was growing. He's getting a brand new building and he had a church next to a pizza place and anytime they needed pizza, he'd just go over there like, here, all the free pizza you want. One of his sponsors had bought him a brand new Toyota 4Runner. He's so blessed. I was like, began to feel this envy in my heart. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I had to confess it and repent of it. Because I was making it about myself. It's bitter envy. And the partner of bitter envy is what? It's selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is that self-drivenness where you're going after what you want, you're driving after what you want, and there's a lack of concern for how that impacts other people. It's a selfish ambition. And if you look at the root of both envy and selfish ambition, what do you find? It's a real self-centeredness, isn't it? Both envy and selfish ambition are ultimately driven by pride. Uh, pride is, is uh, as simple as P-R-I-D-E, and I 
is at the center, isn't it? Bitter envy, selfish ambition. Uh, headed to, to Burger King after, after a church today. You guys know their slogan? BK, have it your way. You rule! <laughs> right? You get to put on the crown on your head. It's pretty awesome. Right? But if we listen to the voice of earthly wisdom, what's it saying to us? It's saying, have it your way. Get what you want. Find your truth. Focus on you. It's all about you. But where does such wisdom come from? Because we hear it all the time. Verse 15, such wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. Do you notice the downward spiral of those words? Such wisdom is earthly. It's the world's way of thinking. It's, he calls it unspiritual. This is not how spiritual people act. And then he calls it what? Demonic. Such wisdom comes from a satanic lie that says, you really don't need God. Just do what makes you happy. Live for yourself. It's all about you. And if we listen to that voice, if we eat great burgers and have it our way, and if we rule, not considering the people around us, not considering God, what will be the result? Verse 16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. In other words, people who make self number one, who put themselves above, above others, <clears throat> sow disorder into their relationships. They, they were not surprised. It's not uncommon for their marriages to fall apart or for them to be distant from their children. They may be a source of frustration for their colleagues at work. Yet look around. This obsession with self is exactly what the world is built upon. And we see the results all around us, don't we? If we make self number one, we will sow disorder into our relationships. Pastor Tim Keller, who was a pastor in New York City before he passed away, uh, once said this about selfishness in marriage, and I think this is a powerful quote. He said, If each spouse says to the other, I'll treat my selfishness as the main problem in our marriage, you have the prospect of a great marriage. <laughs> wow. Anybody want to write that down? Uh, that's a good one, isn't it? It really is. So option one, we can act with earthly wisdom. Wisdom is going to be shown in our actions. It's the true measure of our wisdom. And there are two possible wisdoms we can follow. Number one, we can act with earthly wisdom. How about this? Option two, we can act with godly wisdom. Where this is what James calls wisdom from above. Uh, you might remember James 1.17. James said, Every per good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So we're looking at the wisdom from above. This is, we're going to learn about one of God's good and perfect gifts. How cool is that? So you need wisdom. You want to know how to respond. How do I speak to this person? Or how do I speak in this situation? 
This is what we're about to find out. What does wisdom look like? Now, James mentions that godly wisdom has seven qualities. In the Bible, seven is the number of perfection, right? right? So seven is the number of perfection. It fits the idea of a perfect gift from above. He's giving us wisdom in perfection. Now, also as English readers, there's something we might miss because James is writing in the Greek. Every one of these seven character qualities that we're going to look at in the Greek begins with this vowel sound. So it's, it's a mnemonic device. It's something easy to remember. Um, James is giving us a checklist. Hey, how do I know if I'm going to act? Okay, I'm going to go through the, the checklist. It's kind of like when you go to the grocery store. Is it nice to have a list? I like the list. It helps me focus. I know what I need to get next. If I get sent to the grocery store without a list, I'm going to get everything but what I needed to get, right? And it's not going to be good. It's going to be tasty cakes and ice cream and double stuff Oreos, like all that stuff. I need a list. So anytime we want to respond with godly wisdom, guys, here's our list. This is it. I'm going to call it a wisdom test. It's a test for any time you and I want to ask the question, how do I respond with wisdom? How do I speak with wisdom? And uh, we find it in James chapter 3, verse 17. And like I said, this was written to be memorized. It was written to be a checklist. Seven character qualities. Wisdom and perfection. One of God's good and perfect gifts from above. And I'm going to give it to you in the ESV, which is how I learned it um, and how I've meditated on it. And here's what it says in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You guys ready for this wisdom test? Let's start with question number one. Am I going to respond in wisdom? Question one. Is my heart pure? Is my heart pure? James says the wisdom from above is first of all pure. This is to say we're going to go into this conversation, we're going to go into this situation with a purity of heart and a purity of motive. We might need a heart check, a little heart check with the Lord and say, God, is my heart pure? Uh, if, if my heart's not pure, would you show me? Would you reveal it to me? And, and maybe in our, like if there's deception or anger or unforgiveness, we're going to have a real hard time responding with wisdom. Right? Wisdom from above is first of all pure. Am I going into this conversation with a pure heart and a pure motive? Is my heart pure? Number two, question number two, am I seeking peace? Am I seeking peace? James says the wisdom from above is then peaceable. A wise person is not looking for a fight. A wise person is looking for, uh, to bring peace to a relationship by resolving issues and staying connected. Looking for peace in a relationship by resolving issues and staying connected. I love uh, the scripture from Romans 12, 18, which says, if it's possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, it might not always be possible to live at peace with everyone, but if it is possible, and what does he say? As far as it depends on you, do what you can do, because peace is a two-way street sometimes, but as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, he says. A peaceable person's not okay with a broken relationship. So James says, if you want to be wise... Be pure. 
Approach it with pure heart, pure motives. Be peaceable. Here's another question to ask. Number three, am I ready to be gentle? Am I ready to be gentle? Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I, I just know as a dad that it, I've seen in my own children, children respond, uh, children actually don't respond that well to angry and harsh words, but they respond much better to words that are tender, firm, and gentle. And we're modeling for our children gentleness um, and how gentleness is strength. Does it take a lot of strength to be gentle? Uh, if you're like, sometimes with your children, you're like, ah, yeah, I mean, it takes, think about the strength to respond with that gentleness and firmness. That's what I'm talking about. Gentleness is strength. Gentleness is wisdom. And it's a way of, of approaching a situation with wisdom. So is my heart pure? Am I seeking peace? Question three, am I ready to be gentle? And number four, am I open to reason? Am I open to reason? Uh, remember James said, be slow to speak and quick to listen. So the question is, am I willing to listen to those who disagree with me? Am I, can we say, I want to understand your perspective. Can you help me see where I might be wrong or where I might, might be missing something? I'm open. I, would you help me to see if I'm, I need to change something? Being open to reason means I'm not stubborn or unyielding. I, I'm open to wisdom. I'm teachable. That's one of the characteristics of a wise person or a wise response. Number five. Almost there. Number five, am I merciful? All right, God's heavenly wisdom is full of what? Mercy. It's full of mercy. And in our study of the book of James, one of the most important themes has been mercy and showing mercy to others. And we've learned that God is merciful. Um, and that we can receive God's mercy through faith in Jesus Christ. And then we have an opportunity to put our faith into action by showing mercy to others. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And guys, people around us need God's mercy. And wisdom does that. Wisdom brings mercy to a conversation, to a situation. Number six, am I impartial? Wisdom is, wisdom from above is impartial. Now, impartial means being fair and unbiased in a situation uh, without any discrimination. An impartial person doesn't take sides or uh, doesn't favor one person or group over another. James spent 13 verses in chapter 2 on the subject of favoritism and how we um, don't treat people differently, but we're to love each person as we love ourselves, and treat all people equally. And that impartiality even makes it here as one of the seven qualities of a wise person. Can I, can I approach this situation from a place of impartiality? Sometimes that's hard to do, but it's a wise response. And last one, number seven, am I sincere? Well, godly wisdom just means being genuine and sincere with people. Uh, I'm going to be sincere with you. Will you be sincere with me? Genuous, genuineness means 
not lying or pretending or deceiving another person. When I applied for this lead pastor position seven years now ago now and accepted it, I knew I was making a wise decision. Why? Because I had been genuine about who I was, and the church had been genuine about who hope was. There was a genuineness, and it allowed us to make a decision with wisdom. And so uh, a wise person can be sincere. Let's just be genuine with one another. So you guys starting to get a picture of godly wisdom? This is our wisdom test. So let's review here. Wisdom test. And I hope you'll take these questions, uh, put them on your laptop, put them on the kitchen counter, uh, put them, you know, uh, on your phone, wherever you can see them. So that this week, when you get into that situation, you can actually pause for a moment and do this quick wisdom test. Okay, is my heart pure? Am I seeking peace? Am I ready to be gentle? Am I open to reason? Am I merciful? Am I impartial? Am I sincere? Wow, that, that's tough to do, isn't it? But remember, we can ask God for wisdom. See, wisdom isn't just about education or knowing all of that. It's about action and it's about our character. And what's the, the result here of embracing godly wisdom? Verse 18, our last verse. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So when you have godly wisdom, you sow peace, you reap righteousness in your own life, in your relationships, and in the world around us. That's such a powerful thing if we will choose the wisdom from above. See, we have the choice. Right? We can act with earthly wisdom or we can act with godly wisdom. So does anyone need any wisdom today? Definitely do, right? You gotta hope you have a conversation or a situation in mind right now. We started our message today saying James gives us two ways of finding wisdom. And we can take this wisdom test this week. We can ask God for wisdom. He'll give it generously. It's the prayer he always answers. So when you don't know what to do, don't know how to respond uh, to the family member, you don't know what to do at work with your team or uh, how you're going to navigate a big conversation. Maybe you just want to be wise um, in your marriage or you want to be wise as a mom or dad. Or maybe it's just wisdom for you means beginning a new relationship with God by trusting in Jesus Christ. He invites us to come to him and to respond to the call. So let's cultivate godly wisdom by living peaceful, humble lives. Amen? I invite the worship team to come forward. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you that you give us wisdom from above. And uh, it's so easy just to put the focus on ourselves and what we want and what we need. But we come humbly this morning confessing uh, our sins, confessing selfishness and just ugly things that we know are in our heart. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for those things. And not only are we forgiven of those by faith in Jesus, but that you're making us new. That we're a new creation in Christ. That you've given us this wisdom from above and the Holy Spirit to help us live it out. So I pray this week, God, that you would purify our hearts and our motives. 
Help us to be sincere and genuine. I pray that we could respond to gentleness. God, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, teach us how to pause. Teach us how to not be so stubborn, God. I know my heart can be so stubborn sometimes. Help us to be open to you and to what you want to do. God, thanks for this time together. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the greatness of our God. Thank you for the goodness of our God and that he is with us to fight our battles. We love you and we give you this morning and give you this final song, God. Let it be our expression of passionate love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.